Mexico City. We're doing this over Skype. Who doesn't love? It's an interesting. It's an interesting uh, experiment to be trying to do a podcast over the net. We're working out some kinks. This is the best we can. Yeah. Do, so bear with us, people. But welcome to the first episode of the Grind. This is the first international comedy podcast because I say it is. And Pablo back. Yes. Well, well. Oh, go on. I was going to say that I don't know anybody else that does like an international comedy podcast. We listen to a bunch of podcasts. We both do. And I've never come across nobody being like, oh, we're speaking to this comedian from Taiwan over the internet. And he's going to tell us what, like, whatever, like sushi comedy is, whatever. Exactly. That was, that was so racist, though. Sushi but, comedy. It's not even the right country. Sushi's from Japan. I know. I know. Just top of my head. Top of your head. That's the point. That's the beauty of podcasting is that it doesn't yeah. have to be prepared. So, uh, to give you a little background, we are not prepared. Um, <laughs> we're Skyping each other. I can see Pablo. He can see me over the little Skype window. But not, you, you listeners at home and in your cars cannot see us at all. No, you can't. Okay. Well... Let's uh, let's give maybe a little brief history of uh, how we know each other. We met in Los uh, Angeles, 2012. Yes. What when you say we met? Like April, June? No, I think it was more like June, July. June, July. Okay, that's that makes sense. Because my first night doing comedy over there in LA was at the Hollywood Hotel, and it was like June 4th. But I don't think I, I think I saw you that night doing your. Which I love the uh, the uh, oh, the, UFC. the shapes and rednecks joke, yeah. which is one of my favorite jokes of yours. And but we didn't really hang out until like I was a month in or something, I think. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you were standing there outside, like smoking a cigarette, wearing red pants. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even remember what the conversation was, but it was. Uh, then you were like, I'm from Mexico, and I'm like, bullshit. You're probably just a Mexican American, and you're like, nope, I'm actually from Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> you were like you were like those assholes in Arizona asking for proof, and I had to be like, "Yo, here's my papers. I'm not from here." <laughs> yeah, I wanted your papers. <laughs> um, so I guess we were in LA for about four months after that, or something like that. Maybe even less. What's four months after June or July? Let me give me a well, calendar. Yeah, maybe or three months. Because I left in October, and you left like a week before me, I think. Yeah, I left at the end of October, uh, the end of September. So yeah, and I, I left the second of October. Right, and uh, you went back to Mexico, and uh, I went back to Detroit. Um, and we uh, both were like, "You're like, I'm going to go to Mexico City, and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, make this Mexican comedy thing happen." I'm like, "I'm going to be in Detroit. I'm going to be out of Detroit in two weeks. I'll be in New York before you know it." 
and uh, <laughs> our plans have been stymied a little bit. Yes. But it sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like you're getting a lot of stuff done in well, Mexico City. Well, yeah, I mean, different to what I encountered in L.A., which, like, I mean, it's the proper process. And you have, like, I always feel in the bulk, ballpark of, like, maybe open micers, we we rubbed elbows with at least 100, 120 people. You know what I'm sure. saying? Like, yeah. on our level. I agree. Quote, unquote. But you, have like, but you have, like, four to five open mics a night over there. Whereas here in Mexico, we only have one open mic, which is on Wednesdays, and, and in, a, in a bottle beer hole, which is, like, my... If Hollywood Hotel was, like, my home base over there for open micing, but, like, this is where I've been doing a lot of connections stuff. And I went there since, like, the week I was there. So, like, whatever it is, like, 6th of October or whatever. And I've been every other Wednesday because I don't live in Mexico City. But I go every other one, and I love it. And for some reason, what I found in, Mex- like, Mexican art is responding better to, like, written jokes. Whereas in the States, I got better response to the stories. Which I don't know if it was something to do with the fact that I was from Mexico. And people were like, oh, my God, they do that over there? That- that's weird. <laughs> but... <laughs> But yeah, no, like I have my first official shows coming up the next three Thursdays, so that's good. But I think we should talk about what's told you in Detroit, which is something that is very interesting to me, and I think life changing for you, sir. Yes. Which what what would that be exactly? Oh, the big scar in your in the back of your head. Yes, that is correct. The uh, when I came back to Detroit, now I had done comedy in Detroit before. And uh, I got a good, a good lay of the land. I didn't take advantage of every single Detroit comedy opportunity because there are like regional comics here who do, go, you know, go to uh, you know Ohio and uh, around the state of Michigan. You know, there are like outside of Detroit, there's comedy clubs in Lansing and Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo and stuff like that. Towns you've probably never heard of. Of course, I have. Oh, you've heard of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Mm. No, but it sounds like a like a PlayStation Two video game. So yeah, um, it's like a PlayStation Two video game. If that video <laughs> game is about being a post-industrial college town with terrible town and gown relationships, then it is just like a video game. That spells fun. Yeah, <laughs> it is so. Oh no, it, it's great. It's actually it's a city that's about two hours outside of Chicago. I lived there for a little while, and um, I. I had a decent experience there, but it was, I lived in a small town without a, without a car. I mean, it's a city, but it's like, uh, it's a city where there's like factories downtown. And not that I don't love American capitalism. I just, (laughs) I just felt it was a bit of an eyesore, but to get back to the brain surgery scar, uh, when I got back from LA about two weeks, right around the time I thought I'd be heading straight out to New York and I had lined up some I lined up some crazy shit with this uh, this comic out in New York, Megan Sullivan. She lives in like a boarding house, and she she was like, "You can live here for three hundred dollars a month." And then I found a temp job. I'm like, "All right, I'm going to New York." And then I found out I was having these really bad headaches. I had no peripheral vision on my left, like coming out of my left eye, and uh, no sense of balance. And I went to the doctors, and they were like, "Let's give you an MRI so we can rule out brain surgery." And then I got an MRI and the doctor was like, we can't rule out brain surgery. <laughs> so I got, I had, um, it's called a Kiori malformation. I talked about it a little bit on like Rick Woods podcast. I did 
in between the last time you and I talked, I was on, I did, I was in LA and I did his podcast and I talked about it a little bit. The, uh, war on idiocy. You should check it out. He's great got, podcast. Yeah. I, I, and you know, what's really great about it too is, uh, you ever like when there's guests in like WTF and they talk about how, uh, like John Favreau just did, said this, like he was, I don't know if you're the John Favreau WTF episode, but he was, no, like, I haven't. He was basically like, uh, I like listening to your podcast because it's like listening to all these old friends and people I used to work with. And uh, Rick Wood like has mostly interviewed people like our peers. And so it's really cool to listen to it. And it's also interesting that he was able to keep Michael James Benson like on point for like an hour almost, you know, it was, that was incredible that you could keep him. That is a feat. Yeah. That is, that is some serious uh, journalism. (laughs) That is remarkable. (laughs) So, to get this, to wrap this up, I got brain surgery at the end of November and I've been kind of recovering ever since. And, uh, I am looking to move. I don't know where I'm going to go. Maybe back to LA, maybe to New York, maybe to Chicago. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot, but, uh, I will, you know, we'll keep, we'll cover all this on the podcast. Uh, I wanted to kind of talk to, you know, find out on this podcast, what are other comedy scenes like, whether globally or, you know, in other places, like everybody knows kind of, everybody has a good idea what's going on in New York and LA and even like Chicago, people are like, ah, there's, you know, second city, it's a big improv. Uh, but I kind of, you know, what about, you know, Cleveland? What about St. Louis? You know, I don't know, San Francisco, Boston, you know, all those places have, you know, albeit secondary, but still, you know, thriving comedy scenes. Yeah. That, 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 that's something very interesting to me also that I would like to, I will, yes, that, that's one of the reasons we're doing this, to try and see what comedy, how comedy works in other places globally. And, well, for listeners, this is in English, so locally for you guys in America, maybe Canada would be an interesting, if we can get, like, a Canadian guy to do something. I think we can get a Canadian. I, I live 10 minutes away from the border. I can get a Canadian guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who doesn't love Canadian? Oh, yeah, you live so close. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, um... But yeah, I think that's one of the points we're going to try and cover on this podcast, like the international comedy scene. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, this is a question for you. Like, after LA and New York, I would say San Francisco, Boston, Chicago, and maybe Austin, Texas would be, like, with good, quote-unquote, comedy scenes. Yeah. Would you say? Um, you know, what's interesting about Austin is that um, I opened for Sean Kent um, in, like, November of last year, uh, and he, he, uh, I don't know, he wrote for, like, the best damn sports show. He's had, like, a, one or two Showtime specials, but uh, he was, uh, he what was going to say is that he, he's in Austin now. He moved from L.A. to Austin, and he seems to like the comedy scene down there, and I went down, you know, I saw, um, I saw, like, Maria Bamford when I was in Austin in, like, 2010, and, uh, they have like a, a quite a few clubs. There's actually an article in the newspaper the weekend I was there about being a comic in Austin and how it's kind of a growing scene. And it's, it's geographically really good. If you think about it, because Houston and Dallas aren't that far away, you know, Right. I feel like there's gotta be some camaraderie yeah, yeah. there. Or maybe they hate each other. <laughs> maybe it's like Detroit <laughs> and Windsor and they just can't stand. I don't know. Or, Maybe, you know, Austin looks looks at, like, Dallas the way that uh, Chicago looks at Milwaukee. I don't know. 
I think I think that would be on point, sir. So tell me, you're doing a you're doing like a what like fifteen minutes or twenty minutes or something pretty soon, right? Oh uh, yeah, the show that I'm doing the, for the next Thursdays is uh, okay. So remember, we talked about this before. Like in Mexico, the way I I see it working, and I might be mistaken, but this is me being like the amateur level still is like all the shows that I see that they build, they don't build like a certain person yet. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not like oh come watch whoever. And with this openers, I think there's like only three guys that do it like that. The rest of them are doing it with what I would. Um, translate like you know like theater companies like under a banner under a name oh really or like yeah like this is the five comedians we are called this you know what i'm saying and there's like maybe that i'm aware of maybe eight different like little stand-up groups now again this is me seeing this so the way i'm doing this is i'm doing it with uh with other four five comedians and it's going to be called original sin and it's uh Produced by this awesome comic, which uh, he's gay, but he's funny as fuck. He's one of the what you know what's funny about that guy that I uh, that I find fascinating. He's a brony. He's a what? And I would expect that from a brony. You know, like My Little Pony has like a following with like mid like twenty something guys. No, I had no idea. You have not heard about this, okay? So no. like you know that they rebooted My Little Pony, and it's like. A, fucking amazing cartoon and shit apparently i have never seen it so middle-aged man not middle-aged like 20 something males are really into it and they call themselves bronies this guy this is, is the like dumbest my... fucking thing i've ever heard of in my entire life i'll be perfectly oh, honest dude, you have to look it up on tumblr it's fantastic is like, it is it though this is like oh. when, when you, what's that thing where you like you bow down and you give somebody like a smirnoff ice and then they have to chug it anything that like 20 something men are into uh I find a, a little repulsive. I mean, as a twenty-something, twenty-something man, I guess I maybe I'll feel better when I'm thirty and my peers are a little bit more grown up. I don't know. Yeah, but like it's it's just it's just hilarious to me, like the fact that like grown men are looking at a cartoon and they get into arguments about it. Like, no, if Twilight Sparkle is better than whatever the other pony is, and they like get into debates. But that's not right. the point. The producer of the show is this guy. He's called. Uh, he's cool, and I'm doing it with like other three guys that are fantastic. Uh, most of them have been on our Comedy Central, which the way the Comedy Central works here, same as in there, uh, you don't have like a half an hour. You don't have Comedy Central presents works that you have like your half an hour. Okay, and it's only you. Like on the states here, they have like three comics. They do seven minutes each, and that's like the equivalent of a Comedy Central Presents over there. It's the same, I mean, it's, the, it's called the same thing, it's Comedy Central Presents. Is it but instead of having just one comic, you have three comics doing seven minutes each. Let me and, ask you a question. Uh, is it shorter because life is shorter in Mexico? And you yes, don't have... yes. Okay. Since we have a life expectancy of 65, our mm -hmm. comedy, like, our specials are half an hour because we have to be moving fast, sir. I ain't got time to laugh. I gotta move this heroin truck and sneak into America. Seven minutes is all I got. <laughs> Hey, look, America's going to give us guns to kill each other because they say that will keep us safe. Uh, that was the most embarrassing. I don't know. Okay, last year, the two most embarrassing things, it might that might have been in 2011. I can't remember. But, like, the two most embarrassing political things that ever happened to America was that Operation Fast and Furious backfiring. <laughs> and, and then the other one was when um, 
we lost like that drone plane in um in uh Iran. And oh, yes. which is like a lot like when when like Rome was losing to Persia, which is like Iran, I think, or Iraq. I don't know who gives a shit. But uh, the boat, like when the boat sh- showed up on their shores and they're like, holy shit, now we know how to make boats. We can have a navy now. We can destroy Persia. And oh, then like he asked for Ahmadinejad, like Obama was like, give us the plane back, will you? And, and Ahmadinejad made an action figure of it and mailed it to Obama. That was the wow. most insulting thing anybody has done since that guy, that reporter threw a shoe at George W. Bush. Oh, dude, that is fantastic. I didn't know the, the action figure part. I know about the drone, but I didn't know the action figure part. That is uh, awesome. Such a fuck you. It was such a fuck you to America. Yes, that, that took balls, dude. I know. Because he knew we weren't going to go to war with him. Yeah. Like, at least not, like, we're, we're, we're stretched right now. We can't, we can't fight Iran in a war. Yeah. That was fantastic. Now let's, you have to keep an eye out now for like fucking Irani, Iranian drone planes. They're, they're building them right now. Like there's no. Oh yeah. Look, look at it this way. They built a, a like a nuclear program in defiance of global law, which is bullshit, obviously. But I mean, they just, they just did it. They had no, they got scientists and they hired people and they just built it organically. Now they have a drone. Yep. It's, it's like when you, you know, it's like working at McDonald's and at Burger King. Then you can go home and you can, you're like, it's I know how to make, I don't know, that was a stupid fucking analogy. I'm, I shouldn't have said that. Well, I, well, you say it because you were at McDonald's at the, at the graveyard shift. Oh, yeah. Oh, so many DUIs just in my face, like cops, cops pulling people over in our parking lot almost every night, giving them DUIs. <laughs> Cause I was right off the freeway in the suburbs. Right. Just a beautiful place to work. Well, yes. Across the street from a women's a women's prison and a closed down convalescent center for adult women <laughs> with mental uh, disabilities. <laughs> it was oh, the man. best neighborhood ever. We, we, basically, this area used in, to be in Detroit. What? In Detroit, no less. Right. Well, and here's the thing: this area used to be. It's like west of Detroit, and it's like it used to be like a field. It was a field for so many years because Detroit is like this huge expansive city, kind of like LA where, you know, just, it just keeps going and going like miles wise. It's huge. And, um, what happened is when they built the prison and all that other shit out here, they were like, nobody's ever going to fucking come out here. This is a perfect place for a prison half an hour outside of the city. But now it's like, now all these big houses are built there and they built like a Max and Irma's across the street, you know? And it's just, uh, it's beautiful. It's just like yeah. they're closing yes. down the prison and everything. Like it's they're like I don't know. Do you know NIMBY? Have you ever heard that before? NIMBY. I don't think I have, sir. Well, it's not. It's actually not in my backyard, and it's oh. uh, it's like a big urban policy thing in America. And like when I lived in Taiwan, in China, I noticed that there is no such thing as NIMBY. Like there are poor people living like on top of rich people in those cities because they have to live in cities. I don't know what Mexico's like, but in That's- America, oh sorry, go on. Hey, no, 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 I was going to say, it's pretty much that. Like, again, it's a third world country with all our beautiful beaches and beautiful beaches. Ha. We have, uh, yeah, we're still a third world country. Oh, dude, you, I don't think you've heard of this. This is my, sorry to go on a limb here, this is, we're talking about news. Yeah. This is my favorite news so far since I've been back. What? So, you know, we have like the cartel and like all this murders going on. And Mexico's not the safest place right now. It is. But it isn't. 
because they kill each other. They don't really fuck with civilians, but it's still a very like tense situation here. Okay. But in like this really shitty neighborhood in Mexico City, wow, almost on the outskirts. Wait, wait for it, sir. <laughs> dogs kill a pack of dogs. Apparently, mauled to death like four people in the last week. Wow. Yes. So in you remember those Jacob Smirnov jokes of like in Soviet Russia, you know? Yeah. So apparently, in Mexico City dog eats you. Right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Then again, dude, like, we all know it's bullshit. Like, hey, I have a friend of mine that's a a, a, a dog breeder, and he he knows, like... A, A.K.A. A, a criminal mastermind. Like, a dog will never have to kill. Like, it will attack to, 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 like, harm you, but it will never try and kill you because that's not in their nature. So, but then, uh, so, like, that's, like, all the conspiracy. Like, they were murdered, and they just had the dogs to that, whatever. The fucked up part was that they, the police... Took the dogs and put him in like doggy jail, you know. Oh my god! And then Why? people signed an online petition to pardon the life of the dogs. And now those killer dogs that are like a pack of twenty-five dogs are up for adoption, and people are going ape shit to have like a killer dog. Yeah, NFL players, uh, people from Virginia, <laughs> big. They time to be getting dogs I think, right I now. Think, I think I just saw Michael Vick getting out out of, a, of of an Escalade in Mexico City. Yeah, you think there's there's any correlation to that? Yeah, he's uh, you know, <laughs> first of all, is dog fighting legal in Mexico? Because I think I mean, fighting is not, right. It's not legal. It's frowned upon. It's frowned <laughs> upon. <laughs> that, I mean, that's the difference between I think honestly between a third world country and like a third world plus country is in a third world plus country. Like uh, Iran or something, they have like austerity laws. Like you can't have that haircut because it's frowned upon and therefore it should be a law. But in Mexico, it's like, look, we're not going to fucking arrest you, but just don't. Yes, yeah, don't do that. Be a human. Well, it's not even that. It's like, hey, we're here to arrest you, and the guy that's going to get arrested is like, here's five hundred bucks. Get the fuck out of my yard. And right. Like, you continue with your activity, sir. <sighs> There was, okay, so there was a story when we were in California. I forgot about it. I can't remember the name of the guy or anything like that. But when I, when I was working in on the like Mexico border for that job where I'd have to go down there to uh, Calexico, there, oh, was, yeah. there was a guy who, uh, there was a guy, like a local politician down there who a neighbor had taken a video of him like spanking his son. And they, <laughs> they like put it on like the local news and he was like asked to step down from like the county government. And his defense was something like, you know, in like because they were obviously they were me- Mexican. I mean, everybody's Mexican now. They're not, not, and I don't mean that in a racist way. But like, I I was been down there a lot. Uh, Spanish is spoken way more than English down there. And the guy was like, you know, look, everybody here is Mexican, and in Mexico you can do that. And it was like, man, that's the sad thing about local government is you don't have like a public relations guy to like tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, don't fucking say that. Because <laughs> the, the sad thing about that area is that's where a lot of white people from like Wisconsin vacation. They're called "quote unquote" right. snowbirds, and they pump a lot of money into that economy. And the guy's neighbor just so happened to be a snowbird, and he was like, "I can't believe he's spanking his son." What do you? What do you mean spank? And it was actually he was spanking him, I think, because they were playing catch, and his son. Oh, it was fucked up. I think his son was like autistic or something like that, and he was. Um, it was something like he was spanking him, and then um, 
he wasn't catching the ball because he, he was begging him because the guy couldn't catch the ball. And I guess he was like trying to make him into a baseball player or something like that, which I think is like the number one dream of a Mexican, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Wow. What? You're, I can't hear you. What'd you say? <laughs> well, oh, you just really being quiet. that is fucked up. I think I heard that on the news though. But wait, if we've we've gone way out of, wait. out of we don't we don't need to be talking about autistic kids getting spanked. We got way out of line. Let's let's yeah. let's um, well, yeah, go let's... back. So you have not, you have not done comedy because you are recovering from your brain surgery. Yeah. But then again, you have shit lined up, though. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, so somebody contacted me about doing a comedy contest at the end of this month, and I want to do it. Uh, you know, the prize is $1,000. Or, as I like to say, there's a grand prize, hun. And that's oh, yeah. stupid. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I, I my thought on the... Uh, in the so I'm doing... I'm going to do an open mic there in like a couple of days. And then I'm going to go to Chicago. I'm going to stay with my buddy. I'm going to try and grind in Chicago a little bit. Um, and I just feel like, you know, I might have a shot at winning this contest. It's crazy enough to work. But otherwise, I have not done any comedy. I mean, I was bedridden for like about a month. And like, I'm still not supposed to like lift anything over 10 pounds. Although my fucking friend, like, I went and videotaped a show he did. Like, he's in a band. And he was like, help me put my amp in my car. And it was like, God damn it, you fucking idiot. Really? You're going to do this to me? But, you know, I love the guy. He's just, uh, he's a guy. So, if the point, I I'm, I'm, think you were trying right. to, what? I said, right. Right. Who, do, who, who hasn't been insensitive to their friend's medical needs? <laughs> I, I just, I, I, here's the thing. I want to do well at this, uh, this club. And if you, know what's really bizarre about this club is that this club hasn't been around that long. And it is, uh, about, it's like on the same road that I grew up on Beck road. Right. Like it is on this road. It's not in the same town. It's like two towns over, but it's really weird. Like I could, if there were buses, if there was public transportation in Detroit, Oh <laughs> Lord, I could just shoot right down Beck road Go to Laugh Tracks Comedy Club. They've actually been, they're like super cool. Like there's um, some other comedy clubs in this area and I won't name any names, but it's like really hard to get booked there because you have basically two types of comics that they play there. You have the touring comic who comes there, like the touring club comic, you know, like a guy who just go there and he's going to put, he can put 30 to 60 asses in seats, you know? And then, right. the, then there's the local guy who gets like a pretty good turnout and he's like paid his dues locally so people know who he is. And I'm neither of those guys because <laughs> I've paid zero dues. And so right. it's it's hard to like get a comedy club in like a, a, a comedy club in Detroit when you're not like they don't. First of all, they don't give a shit that you were doing it in L.A. unless you have an agent or something like that. Like as weird as it is to say, I feel like it's easier to get on something like Holy Fuck or, um, you know, one of those like like uh, Tiger Lily, like one of those like really good comedy showcases in LA if you, because you, you stay in LA where there's all these opportunities, but in like Detroit, it's kind of like, did you pay your dues locally or, you know, have you been paying them nationally? You know? Right. Well, that's an interesting complication though. Like, cause I would assume that every little town, well, not little, but like every town in America would be more supportive of 
oh, come make us laugh. But then again, like if any, like what I saw in LA is any indication, it's a way too competitive to be healthy. Like what we were talking the other day, like doing stand up. I don't know how, how in New York was, which was one of the original ideas to compare and contrast Mexico City and New York, which I think are like more of a sister cities than LA and Mexico, even though they speak English more in Mexico, but like the way it's sprawled and you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no. Um, I, I mean, they're the big cities. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the point was like, I think that the level of competitiveness that they thrust upon like comics is not healthy. Like, It's cool because that makes you be better. And I'm not saying this is a wimp. I will grind. I don't care. I'm saying it's like you meet a lot of people that are very desperate to get somewhere that haven't. And like, and then again, people are very self-entitled and they think that they deserve to be somewhere. Right. Like, here and they're there. So like a lot of people are very mad, very depressed. And I don't think that's a healthy environment for something that makes people laugh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that you know you, you're right. And there there are some people we knew without naming any names back in uh, in LA who uh, have had that. And I I won't deny. I mean, look, I had it a little bit too. Where it's like you're out there to do something, you know. But it's like it's not always like pleasant to like wait. You know, like you two, you get to an open mic and you're like, put my name in the hat and then wait. And then wait, and then wait. And even while you're there, you're not like, you're, you know, while they're pulling names out of the hat or whatever, you know, you're not thinking like, no, this is some good comedy. You're thinking like, when the fuck are they going to call me? What are my lines? What jokes am I going to tell? You know, it's, there's a little too much desperation. And one thing that I liked a little bit with, with New York, I don't know what exactly made this different than New York versus LA is that every open mic that I've been to in New York with a couple of it, with, you know, excluding a few, they were like, It, was, it wasn't, like, an, an uber-friendly thing, but it was, like, a much more attentive audience and, like, a much more, like, hang, let's hang out, you know? Um, like, I think it might have something to do with the fact that, like, there's a ton of shit within walking distance. You know, like, you can mm. walk down the street and grab a slice of pizza while you wait. Um, people will st people stuck around. The first open mic I ever did in New York, I was with uh, Pfeiffer and Benson and uh, Ryan Pfeiffer and Michael James Benson, to be specific, so no one gets confused. Um, two of my favorite people that I met in LA. Those are two, two fantastic friends and comedians. I like I like yeah. both of those men a lot. Um, the uh, though I was going to say is that the now I got my love for the two of them has distracted me. What the fuck was I going to say? Oh, um, um, uh, oh, it went till four in the morning. It went till four in the morning, and people sat around and like drank beer. And, like, there was – the one place we went, like, this, I think it was called the Cake Shop. It was, like, quite possibly, like, the single coolest square foot I ever went in, like, had been in my life. Like, you walk – it's a bakery, right? First floor, you walk mm -hmm. in. They're making food, and they're selling records. Then you go downstairs. There's a DJ spinning in front of the bathrooms. You walk forward, more forward. There's a little stage set up, and it looks like it's – it looks like David Bowie in the 80s decorated the stage. It's just got, like, glitter and, like, tinsel – Like Christmas, David Bowie. And, right. and then basically after that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, an open mic that they just run like all fucking night long until the bars are forced to close. Oh, and there was a bar down there too that served like craft brewed beer. It was like, fuck, New York, really? New York, that's, what an incredible place. That's beautiful, sir. Yeah, right? A cake shop. Pablo, a fucking cake shop. <laughs>
I think, yeah, well, you now that you mentioned it, I think that has to do a lot with it. You know, like, you know how uh, in New York it's set up like that. Like, you have, like, this is the area where the comedy clubs are, and you are within walking distance of every existing comedy club yeah. in New York. Whereas in in L.A., everything's so spread out that, like, oh, dude, I have to get to fucking Inglewood and do a set there. Well, go to try and get into yeah. an open mic, and then you have to drive for 20 minutes, and then fucking go back to, like, Santa Monica because maybe I can get on that one. And then, oh, let's try and catch a show. And then you're, like, driving around, so nobody really hangs out. And as you very assertively pointed out, like, while you're hanging out, you're feeling the vibe of the room, and then when somebody bombs... You're like, oh shit. Yeah. Or or somebody or you're outside smoking a cigarette and somebody comes out and like, hey, how was it? And they always went like, oh fuck, that's terrible. So like you get really much into your head being like, oh shit, this is gonna go, this is gonna suck, this is gonna suck. Then you get up there and it's not as bad as they painted, but I those like winning moments like really crush a man's soul, I think. You know what's interesting? You just made me think of something. Uh you, you know, I've never been like standing outside of a comedy club in LA and somebody came out and then I was like, how'd it go? And they went, I think it went good. I think it went pretty good. Every time it's like shitty or uh, it's a thing. Like even like if Andy Sal would do really well at the hotel, he'd come out and be like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did it. And it's like, you did fucking really good. Why won't you? It's okay to be a little, I don't know, a little happy for yourself about how well you did, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, that, I, I hope that, th- I have a, gra- a delusion of grandeur that through this podcast, we can make the Hollywood Hotel into a mythically, you know, a place of mythic proportions where everyone is like, we got to go to the Hollywood Hotel. And it'll be like the next comedy store. I don't know. I'm just... Well, it smells the same. Yeah. Because, you know, you can only pee on a chair so many times before you can't yes, wash exactly. the scent out. You well, know? remember that they told the, those stories that a hotel hotel used to be like a, mor- uh, a morgue before. Yeah. So that's like, I think there's like, that and the spirits of like the old dead comedians that overdose in cocaine, those are comparable. So like your analogy, like let's try and make it the new comedy store. We're not far from it. There's yeah. death in both. Yeah, death no. and laughter. The weird thing, the thing that I I, um, I think is interesting about the Hollywood Hotel is it, now they're starting to like book like bigger and bigger names on like the Ho Ho Show and stuff like that. It's like there's no back room there's no like dressing room so like that one time when we talked like maria bamford she was like sitting indian style in the hallway yes it's just like what there's nothing they they don't do anything it's like oh you're famous go fuck yourself (laughs) i don't know why gust would have a new york accent but yeah um, oh i i i out of all the comics that i of course you know i got a harden when we met Pitt holmes yeah of course but then, Miller, but then Maria Banford was the nicest one of them. I know the other ones were like in a rush or whatever because we met them at the LA Riot Fest. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying anything bad about them. I'm just saying out of all the big name comics that I met, I encountered Maria Banford like three times, like in a row. We saw her at the Hollywood Hotel, then we saw her at Tiger Lily, and then we saw her, I don't remember where. She is such a nice person. Like She's insanely so nice. She and she, you know what is interesting? What I what I really like about her is that any other time I met like a famous comedian, and I've been like, you know, oh my god, I want to talk to you. She's like, she's like, well, I'll be funny. Let's sit down. Like, you know, I I got down on like a knee, and then she was like, we're kneeling, and she like huddled with like Chuck and me and Jackie Cation. And I know that sentence was grammatically incorrect, but whatever. She like was like joking around, and it was like, 
oh my god, that is so cool. Like a lot of the guys, they like get off stage and they're just like, oh, I need some me time. No, I do not. Like, uh, uh, oh, you know who else was nice? I thought Moshe Kasher was really nice when we met him. Oh yeah, well, but we we like that was a completely different setting in which we met Moshe Kasher. Which, yeah, by the way, his I had to do like a weird proxy thingy change that I may not be. It may not be a good idea to be on record on because I don't know how illegal it is, but whatever I saw, I just did that so I can watch Moshe Kasher's uh, special that's up on Netflix. Like oh, you, yeah. you know how they debuted him and Todd Glass kind of like at the same time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moshe Kasher's is fantastic, dude. Yeah. Like, which... I really appreciate it. But I think also because, well, uh, the story is we went to what can only be described as a gathering of the douches oh, in a it... Hollywood hotel pool. Not not the hotel. A, yeah. a hotel in Hollywood. It was like this pool slash nightclub slash eighteen dollars for a fucking butt light slash. It was the Roosevelt Hotel, and it was like it was like there were like nine fucking bridal parties going on at once. There were people yeah. swimming. There was like there was a pool, but it was like clearly not a place that you would go swimming. Like it was just yeah. so clearly not for swimming. But some drunk people just jumped in. They were like. Like, hey, come on, baby. And there's like people sitting around in the lounge chairs. It was like, oh, and even the people that were there with us, some of them. Oh my god, you remember when Chuck put that woman's hair in his mouth? Oh yeah, what the fuck was that, dude? That was the <laughs> fucking funniest thing because she stood in front of Chuck. Chuck was talking to Nate Craig, and she stood in front of him and just ignored Chuck. And Chuck was like, hey, how you doing? And then he just started like I don't know, he was, like, coddling her hair with the, both of his hands and just, like, licking it. And it was like she didn't even notice. She was so inebriated on her own pretenses and ecstasy and $18 Bud Lights that she didn't even notice somebody licking her hair. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. But we met that guy. Yeah, so that's all, all that context to be like, yeah, he was super nice because we met him. Like, and I don't think he drinks so he doesn't that i don't think so i know that he like was in rehab when he was a kid in his like cash in the rye book he talks about that but i don't know every time i've seen him he's been drinking water yeah in like exactly. a, in a cocktail glass but it's still you know water so well, I don't he know. was like super nice to us like, he talked to us for like a lengthy amount of time he and uh what was the other comedian's N- name nate craig nate craig sorry yes thank you which i think had just recorded his comedy central presents yeah they both just they both just recorded specials that was really cool kind of it was so, that was the coolest thing about LA was getting to talk to like people like that, that are like yeah. rising stars. Like that was really cool. Like remember when we went to the, I think one of my favorite nights was when we went to do the open mic at a Mexican gay club called the New Jalisco over oh. at downtown for the LA Riot Fest. The downtown independent. Yeah. had that outsourced mic to the gay bar next door. Yeah. And we met, oh wait, dude, like this is like one of my... I don't believe in fate. I don't believe in any of that shit. But one of those moments when life is like, you're on the right path. Remember, we went outside to smoke a cigarette and Todd Glass walks by. We say, hey. Yeah. He turns to me and he says, dude, I'm fucking stoned. And I was like, <laughs> you go, sir. Then when and we went in, did our, did our thing at the open mic, came back out, and him and Eddie Pepitone were like staging like a performance arts almost. Remember? People were throwing money at Eddie Pepitone in the street. Because like he, he was acting like he was like a homeless crazy person. Which he Where? he looks the part a little bit. Let's oh, yeah. Honest. And then, then Chuck did like this origami thing with his dollar bill and gave it to him. That was fantastic. Yeah. But then 
after all that was said and done, we started taking pictures with Todd Glass. And he gave, remember he gave, he just gave us this package, not in the gateway. He yeah. gave you like the brochure for the Alien Riot Fest. He gave me his, his, um, his, his staff. I don't know what you would call yeah, it. Yeah, it's know? like, it was like his, um, he gave, he yeah. gave you like the map and he gave you like his badge. Yeah. That was a great moment from, from being out in LA. Do you still I have that? Do you still have Todd Glass? Oh yeah, dude, of course I still have it. That's like on, on my treasure chest. That is, yeah, that it, that was so cool. And I, I met, like, six really, like, of my favorite comedians. Like, I mean, we met, um, uh, what, W. Kamal Bell. We met T.J. Oh, Miller, yeah. uh, Pete Holmes, uh, and, like, um, who else? Like, like Will Weldon and Mike Lawrence, like, came into the new Jalisco oh, and yeah. did oh, the open mic with us. Oh, oh and, and, and that guy that, that writes for, well, if they get picked up that, uh, Thayer, Chris Thayer. Chris Thayer, yeah. No, is it Nick Thayer or Chris Thayer? Uh, dude, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like he always wears like plaid shirts tucked into blue jeans. And yeah, yeah, that guy's guy. Cut. And well, he smoked Spanish for like the first two minutes of his set, and you were oh, dying. Yeah. You were dying because <laughs> he was just like, "Como estás?" <laughs> people, uh, people, when people, when like he did that, and remember also when we, um, when I did Turgo Tuesdays for the first time that. uh, Richie the Sea did yeah. that. Like, he just dedicated his fucking set on making fun of the fact that I spoke Spanish. <laughs> that was a good night. Yeah. Richie the Sea. That, there's some interesting stories there. I don't know what they are. I've never talked to the guy for more than uh, five minutes because I don't think he, he just, he's like in his own, he's in his own world. I would love to hear, I'd love to hear what the backstory on that is. Because he always like, he's always like showing up in like bike shorts and he's got like a textbook under his arm. And it's like, yeah. You and then and he always closed. Uh, he always closed at uh, Turbo Tuesdays. By the way, uh, Rob Turo has hung up. As far as I know, Rob Turo has hung up the comedy. Uh, I heard that. I heard he moved to Texas. He moved back. He moved back to Houston, and he works. He works like a real job. Like his Facebook profile picture is him like wearing real big people clothes. You know, like uh, like a dress shirt, <laughs> like tucked into sh- uh, pants. Like he was dressed like Chris or Nick Thayer, but that sounds like in, in in our world. I think that's the sound of defeat. If you tuck your pants, if you tuck <laughs> your shirt into your pants, that means you've given up. I just imagine, yeah, if you if you like tuck your shirt in your pants and you show up at the Hollywood Hotel, Rick would be like, "What do you take yourself seriously? <laughs> take your shirt up." Um. Well, I wanted to kind of talk uh, real quick about something as we wrap this up. Yes. Um. So, I don't pay attention to award shows. I haven't since uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers lost uh, to, who the fuck was it? I don't even remember. It was so embarrassing. I I was dating this girl in 2007, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers had an album in the Grammys for Best Album, and then... uh, uh, Stadium Arcadium, maybe? What? Stadium Arcadium? It was Stadium Arcadium, yeah. And now, despite my immense and lifelong dedication to hip-hop music. I'm a, I am also used to be a very huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. And, right. And uh, they they had an album in, and then she was, like, a huge John Mayer fan, and John Mayer had his Continuum album was in. And uh, we had, like, this bet going, like, oh, man, who's going to win? Who's going to win? And, and somebody like, somebody like, but not necessarily Avril Lavigne, Avril Lavigne, more set, something like that, won. <laughs> and then our relationship dissolved almost immediately afterwards. Was what, it, what, best album? 
for best album. And they, yeah, they both lost. And so like, I just kind of was like, eh, fuck the Dram Academy, whatever they're called. I don't know. But remember, remember that the first ever like metal or hard rock Grammy was given to like Jethro Tull. Good. Good. And he, I mean, with like Pantera and Metallic and Black Sabbath nominated. And you're like, come on, Grammys. The guy playing the flute? Really? Yeah. Come on. Guy well, playing the know. flute. I but, mean, it's not that I don't like the song Aqualung, but like I've only listened to it three times in the last 15 years of my life. <laughs> so Aqualung is my Les Miserables. Because I can, <laughs> I can never get through it. Um, what I was going to say is, uh, uh, ah, fuck. Oh, I know I was going to say, oh, so, but the comedy album Grammys, I feel like they're not the most, I mean, look, just maybe, maybe they're just because I don't expect, you can't please all the people all the time. Yada, yada, yada. It's not the people's choice award. And every listing of comedians, whenever they're ranked, it's always, the people who rank them always base them on success, on like the respect. But then, you know, success always determines like, you know, who tours the most and who gets the most, you know, TV shit. But, like, respect, it's like whenever you, like, see those lists on, like, uh, Comedy Central or something, it's like, you know, it'll be, like, Richard Pryor's number one, George Carlin's number two, and, I and like, Woody Allen will be, like, number three or number four. It's like, I feel that that's influence-wise, respect-wise is accurate. I mean, I think that's how most people feel. I think most people would say one of those three guys is, like, their absolute favorite comedian. Yes. Or at least they're, they're most, the most revered comedian to them. Yes, yes, yes. Um, that is a fine notion, yes. And so, but the the, gra- the comedy Grammy album, like for the best best comedy album, has been like a, it's decent. I decently respect it. You know, like Carlin's won a bunch, like Lewis Black has won a bunch. You know, there's, uh, you know, I, I think uh, PDQ Bach has won three, I think. <laughs> so, you know. Do they give it out at the award ceremony or do they do that bullshit thing that the Oscars do that they're like, oh, we just shoved that thing beforehand. Don't worry about it. Yeah. By the way, here's who won this. And then, like, some white text appears up on the screen. Yeah, exactly. Do they do that? I don't. I don't watch it. <laughs> okay, okay. I yeah. check. Um, but, so, who, who is nominated this year? So, um, I know that Jim Gaffigan's Mr. Universe is nominated. Uh, right. Jimmy Fallon's, uh, what's it called? Blow Your Pants Off. Oh, the music one. The music one. And then Show Dependent Live in Concert, which was Margaret Cho's. It's the live version of the album Margaret Cho released in 2011, which won. Okay. So, in God We Rust by Lewis Black, uh, Seaman First Class Kathy Griffin, and Rise of the Phoenix by Tenacious D. So you got like half music and half stand-up. Stand so who do you think, who do, who do you want to win, and then who do you think will win? All right, so I have no notion of what I know who Margaret Cho is. She's Asian Janine Garofalo, right? You could say that. She's All right. she's a gay sex symbol. Yeah, I know. Who she is. not I'm gay, uh, but I haven't listened to it, so I don't know. Now I'm a huge Jack Black fan, so and I respect what they do with Tenacious D, and you know, like the whole thing that they're doing. Yeah, I like it. Which I think if the blues. It, I think Tenacious D would be like the equivalent to what the Blues Brothers were doing. Yeah. But instead of drinking, they smoked pot. You know? They're like the Santa Monica. If the Blues Brothers had smoked pot, they would have gone in that direction. If the Blues Brothers were from Santa Monica, that's what they would have sounded like. Okay, yes. And And, smoked pot, of course, lots of pot. It's like, 
Well, so I would like them to win because they have it's like a full production of an album. Like it's and it's funny. I always love Tenacious D, but that being said, Mister Universe by Jim Gaffigan made me laugh the hardest out of. I mean, it's a, have you have you have you heard it? Oh yeah, I think it, yes. It's I brilliant. It's it's so good. Um, I still like I still like the 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 other one the best. Like uh, what's Beyond the Pale? Beyond oh really. That's my favorite of his, but this one is pretty, pretty good. And the whole thing that they're doing with, like, I'm fuck distributors, fuck CDs, I'm just going to release it by myself, five bucks on my, you know, which I find the most, the, the weirdest part of that, about that one is, like, I get Louis C.K. doing it because he's, like, the biggest one right now, and I get uh, Jim Gaffigan doing it because he's pretty big in the stand-up community, yeah. but season Sincerity did it, and it's not that I have anything against the season Sincerity, but I don't think he's that big to be pulling that off you know what i'm saying well you know here's the thing with with uh there with people like aziz not i shouldn't say people but you know uh personalities and you know entertainment personalities is that people when you're in a tv show that people love people form this bond with your character and now we kind of expect that character to be who you are and uh it's his character on parks and rec is isn't like seinfeld's character on seinfeld or, or larry david you know, it's like, it's not like this exaggerated version of him. In in some yeah. ways it is a little bit, but it is, it's a, it's a different character. You know, like it's a different yeah. guy. Um, I really loved his first album was really good. And I went to see him in Detroit, uh, like two years ago before he recorded, uh, the one that would be, that was his second special, the one that he released online. I saw right. it actually the day before he recorded it because he recorded it in Chicago. I the first one is the Central Something Something, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the one where he's standing intimate in front of a mirror. Intimate moments for a living. What's it called? Is it Intimate Moments for a Central Living? I think that sounds about right. It's something like that. It's yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. It's really good. Um, and it's really good bits. And like, I think every comedian who has less and less time to go on the road. Bits become more and more personal. You know, you talk about yourself more and more, and like. Uh, that's true with Mr. Universe. You know, he, Gaffigan's talking about him personally more and more. If you listen to, like, economics, too. So I should say this. I'm a huge Jim Gaffigan fan. And even though I don't strive to do comedy like Jim Gaffigan at all, I would say Jim Gaffigan is easily one of my favorites. If not, like, if I'm being truthfully, with, like, totally truthful with myself, Jim Gaffigan might be my favorite comedian right now. Because as much as I respect and admire to be, like, Louis C.K. or to be like Mark Maron or something like that. I can't. I know in my heart that I cannot do goofy, funny material like Jim Gaffigan, and his just—it's just like it. Right, right, right. I feel like I'm a child, you know. And remember when we talked about we talked about that one time that it's weird that you in an open mic level or the level that we're at, we would never dream of doing like silly sounds or like right. And, like, the people that we respect the most, like, Louis C.K. does it and Jim Gaffigan does it. And it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's it's a weird notion to me. Yeah. Is it confidence? Is it, I know what's funny? You know, I don't know. It's it's, it's a weird notion to me. Yeah, well, like, um, you know what I think is interesting about um, Jim Gaffigan and, 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 you know, funny, non, what would you call it? Like, non-oratory material. I don't know. Non. He's, he's a clean-cut comic. I well, think of you know, let, let me let me like say this. You know, if you listen to the old Jim Gaffigan albums, like he is 
he's like a little dirtier and um he's a little bit more um he's way, a little bit more goofy like he's like he does the the voice like you know i can't do the, you know the, his famous voice and you know what's crazy yeah, is that yeah, yeah, yeah. what's so great to me about mr universe is that he got a little bit filthier and he but he like basically dropped the voice like the voice is gone and it's yeah. like I, I love the voice that's like maybe the most ingenious comedic technique that anybody's invented in like the past 20 years where it's like he talks for the audience yes that is so yeah. genius that is just yeah. but it's like he was like he's past it now like he's graduated from it and i uh i think i think mr universe should win i have yes. a feeling though that I, I just have a feeling that fallon's gonna win i and uh oh yeah fallon's in there I think that um, he's been, his show has gotten really popular. And also, they like to seem to like to kind of alternate between music, music, comedy, Grammys, and, you know, performance, like stand-up Grammys, you know? Yeah. Or, well, the, yeah, like the Lonely Islands one, and shit like that. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, and you know, the thing with that Lonely Island one is that, I, I, I should say this, is that, Everything on that album is good, but it was released over such a long period of time that when that finally won, I was like, oh, yeah, that. They made an album? <laughs> like, I had no idea. I was like, I can't believe they made an album. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, yeah well, you're right. And, and, and the Jimmy Fallon one has, like, good shit on it. Like, it's all the music that he has done on the show, same as the Lonely Islands with the SNL digital shorts. Right. But still, like, yeah, you're right. I think they, he will win. But Jim Gaffigan should. I, I agree, and I, I, you know what? I, I like the "In God We Rust" by Lewis Black too. I was actually listening to that right before we started recording this. So, I, I just, you know, I think Lewis Black is one like a bunch. So, yeah, he's been around. He's respected. Yeah, no, he's definitely definitely respected. Um, so before we finish up, I just want to say, um, you know, next podcast. I don't know if we're going to have a guest. I would like to have a guest. I would like to interview somebody who does, has done something international in the comedy community. Right. You know, they've done, you know, let's start with Canada. I know someone who's done comedy in Taiwan. I mean, I did comedy in Taiwan, but I don't want to, not for me, you know. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what? Uh, you know, there's, yeah, I, uh, I know somebody who did it in like uh, Indonesia as well. So we should. Uh, oh, fuck, that would be interesting. I have high hopes. I don't know about we you. All, we do, we do. This is going to, this is going to take off. Excellent. Well, I think this is a good time as any to end it. Yes. Anything else you want to say? Uh, just that I hope you enjoyed this and uh, follow our antics on Twitter. I, I'm tweeting a lot in Spanish, but that's a business. Oh, yeah. What's your, what's your Twitter account? Uh, it's my Twitter is Pablo underscore Arisa. Arisa spelled A-R-A-I-C-A. And yours is Lake underscore Superior. Yeah, that's my rap name, and I'm sticking to it. Oh, yeah, you should. So uh, just check us out on Twitter, uh, and then uh, thank you for listening. Yes, this has been the first episode of The Grind. All I want to do is ride around shining while I can afford to play the ice on my neck so I don't get nauseous. Float around in the greatest of courses. Feel like a chuck back because I'm on 12 horses. And the three behind mine, they be quick. So much ice in their rollies. This shit don't tip, man. Winter through the summer, kill us what it cost me. While I'm shoveling the snowman, call me Frosty Lover. From ghetto to ghetto.